wasn't the result we were after, but a week is a long time in footy. This is the Swans Blog's Swans Cast, the number one listen to Sydney Swans fans podcast. Oh, the problem started a lot before the third quarter. I mean, the first half, we were 6-16 in clearances, 4-20 first positions. Um, the first quarter was the problem. <laughs> In this week's episode, we will be discussing the review of the disappointing 10-point loss to the Adelaide Crows on Friday night, as well as previewing the massive clash against the Geelong Cats at Gardenia Park on Saturday afternoon and everything else Swans related. This is your host, Justin Mitchell, and with me is Stephen Park from the Road to Glory Facebook group. Well, Stephen, I'm back again. I'm still a bit sick. Mate, how are you going after that Friday night game? Well, Justin, it's great to hear from you again. Sorry it's been so long. And um, I'm going okay, but I'm still bitterly disappointed, I can tell you that. Yes, my, I can completely understand. It was a bit of a disappointing performance, if not, uh, I would say, shocking, just the way that the game started and then it finished. I agree with you there. I think it's actually one of our worst performances in a couple of years. And I actually have to say that I think it all comes down to our ageing midfield. Well, our midfield, when you look at some of the players, uh, in particular, Heaney, um, Parker, uh, Mills, who had a bit of a run there for a half, they're, they're in that kind of middle to young age. But in, then you look at Hanabry, he's uh, 28, 29. Kennedy, he's 30, 31. Jack is 31. Uh, McVeigh is 105. So there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of older players going through. And the thing is, when ha- Hanabry hasn't been fit, uh, he's been injured the whole season so far, and Kennedy's had a couple of really down weeks. And when they're off, they're off. It's like that that midfield ball winning power is gone, and the ball carrying power is gone. Do you think the boys can bounce back this week? To be honest, no. Wow. Okay. Why is that? I actually think that our basically, unless our midfield can get on top, I actually don't think we can win any game because I don't think we can play any other style, and I think we're going to get beaten more consistently than what we have done in any previous year. Last year was a bad start. I think this year... It sure was. <laughs> a shocker. Oh, look, uh, it's kind of looking a little bit like um, 2015. Uh, we had a really promising start to that year. I wouldn't say cruising, but looking like we're in a reasonably strong position come the bye. And then after that, it just decimated. The forward line was decimated. And one thing uh, that I've noticed a lot is, like, there's been a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say coach abuse, but there's been a lot of um, negative reflection, I guess is a pretty good way to say it, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, Looking at the performance of the coaching staff, in particular, John Longmire, I've had some pretty animated discussions about that. Um, Entertaining, but animated and reasonable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing 
that a lot of people might not remember is the fact that we had a massive amount of turnover in the off season. Um, so for example, uh, Franku, uh, Playfair, uh, they've, they've left. Jew has gone to, uh, Gold Coast. Kirk is still there and Longmire. They're the only two coaches that remained. Um, Reese was promoted from the reserves and he only had, I think, two seasons coaching in the reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got Cox, who's only got two or three years experience as a, as a uh, assistant. Now he's like an, a senior assistant. Johnson, who retired last year, his first coaching gig. And the Swans are trying to change things up. They're trying to change the way the team plays and they structure up. Yeah. It's um, it's an interesting kind of transition. And the other thing is, we've got no options to play forward. So we're looking at Tippett, okay? Tippett retired in the off-season. His injury, he wasn't going to come back. Uh, even if he came back, he was going to be limited. And we've actually asked a question about Tippett later on, so we're going to cover that. But then... Naismith goes down. It's like, okay, our first two ruck choices are down. We're one injury away from disaster. And what happens? Sam Reed, mate. He's out for two and a half months. He won't be back until after the bye. So it's just like, come on. What kind of break can we get? We've only got Franklin. That's it, man. Franklin. But you've got to look at it this way. We've gone into this season and last season and the season before knowing this, we're knowing that Tippett is injury prone, knowing yeah. that Reed is injury prone. Why have we never thought about doing something different? Why have we put a Lear in the forward line who has no idea on what he's doing there? Then to drop him. Yeah, why, are yeah. we not, why are we not changing it up? Why are we still going to Franklin 43% of the time, more than any other forward in the league? He can't even... He can't take on three players, so why do it constantly? Absolutely. I completely agree. We we go back to uh, 2016. We we had Xavier Richards. We had to swing someone in as a a second option as a forward because it was Franklin just won out again. Reed was out for the entire season. Um, Tippett's ankle just kept blowing up. He was constantly injured. He was out for about 10 or 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he came back, and he was every time he played again, he just hurt himself. So it's just this unbelievable situation where we just tried something and it worked. Now, I'm not saying we chuck Harry Marsh in the forward line. Um, he's going to try. You're going you're to get 100% effort. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But I was a bit disappointed that uh, Aaliyah at least didn't get to retain his spot on the side and Harry Marsh came in. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's got a bit of interesting feedback from the player ratings in particular because uh, I was c- pretty critical of Marsh's performance. You look at his stat line, he was pretty impressive as far as stats go. I think it was the third or fourth highest in the team. He had about 24, 25 uh, disposals. Um, he had a, a pretty good rebounding game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just having a quick look now at his stats. Um, he actually had 24. The thing is, he had 17 uncontested. That's fine. Biggest problem was he was beaten by his opponents almost 100% of the time. Yeah. So even McGovern, who couldn't mark the ball, even his fingers were butterfingers. It's like he was handling soap. He was still able to mark on him. Yeah. And look, I don't want to have a crack at him too much, but defensively, he wasn't good enough. Uh, and I'm not saying Aaliyah would have been better. It's just one of those things you just got to look at. Like, is it worth it? Would it have been worth keeping Aaliyah in because we didn't have any needful games? There was no reserve games. He wasn't getting any match practice. Mm. But Harrison Marsh didn't come in to replace Aaliyah. Harrison Marsh came in to replace Nick Newman. Why you would drop did, yes. Nick Newman for Harrison Marsh, I have no idea. Gary Rowan replaced Aaliyah Aaliyah because they took the forward position of each other. I had no I had no issue with that. 
But what I did have an issue with was having Nick Newman drop, who was a consistent player last year, and then all of a sudden it turns around and he can't get a game this year. Is there something going on there? Has there been some news? Is he leaving to go back to South Australia at the end of the year? Like, well, that's the rumour. Mm. Nothing's come out, um, you know, scuttlebutt is that there's something going on. Um, that might be the case. The thing is, uh, when he lined up against the Dogs, his first half was pretty poor. He certainly improved, but he wasn't mm. very good. No. Uh, and even in his first hit out, he wasn't very good. So he, he might not be hitting his KPIs. He might be well down on those, um, mm. what the coaches and staff would measure him on. And they're saying, uh, like, you're going to have to lift your work rate. Conway Mitch Morton, right? Kick like bags at 10, 12 and reserves, but he wasn't doing any, he wasn't doing the team things, the team ethos, that sort of thing. But anyway, we'll talk about that a bit more as we review the game. You were talking about the forward line. Why is it we're not structuring up? So we've gone to having one tall and five smalls in our forward line, yet we still consistently do the same thing, which is bomb it long. We kick it long every single time when we've got one tall and five smalls. Why are we not adopting a Richmond model who plays Jack Rewalt and five smalls and chip it around to get to your best option? They don't ever bomb it long. Hawthorne, they don't ever bomb it long into um, Jared Roughhead because they know he's going to get beaten every time. They chip it around the outside and then hit it up. North Melbourne, very rarely bomb it long to Ben Brown. They work the ball around. It's very interesting that I find that we still have this consistent method. We've got three tools down there, and we bomb it long every time. We don't have those three tools anymore. No, no, we don't. And and I think the midfielders are a, a bit to blame there. Longmire said after the game that um, once the first quarter was out of the way, the players were essentially chasing the game. They had to be reactive and and their play in the end, despite the fact they're up, I think, 14 or 16 inside 50s at the end of the match, they were still chasing the match. They were still behind in the match, despite yeah. them getting on top in certain statistical categories. But I'll tell you what, we'll talk about that after we go through our normal normal stuff at the start of the show. Yep. So, Stephen, I believe you have a hero and a villain of the week for us. Could you please give us your hero of the week? Okay, my hero of the week is Dean Towers. The reason he's my hero of the week is not just based on one week. It's actually based on a body of work that I have seen over the uh, first five rounds. This is a guy that I actually said should have been traded out um, at the end of 2016. I said he was a waste of space. And we should have got rid of him. Last year, he showed some some signs that he was actually improving. This year, I'd actually go as far to say that he's probably in our top five players for what he's actually doing. He's playing really certainly. Well yeah, he's, playing he's certainly well one the of the first on the team sheet. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's actually playing really well in the ruck. He's playing as an extra midfielder around the ground, and I actually say he's actually playing better than. Kennedy and Hanbury. Not so probably not Parker, but Kennedy and Hanbury, he's playing better than both. Yeah, I agree with that. Hanbury uh his third game back and he looked like uh, he was having a bit of or fourth game back, he looked like he was having a bit of an upward trend mm-hmm. and then that was not good. He was very, very poor in my opinion. Look, I love that. Dean Towers, um he's becoming a bit of a uh, favourite on our show yep. up there with Callum Sinclair. 
Yep. We've, we're talking about him literally every week now yep. and how important he is. He doesn't get a lot of tap-outs, but what he can do in the ruck and the fact that he can compete and makes it competitive, he doesn't allow easy hit-outs and he can tackle and he can run, he is very important to the team at the moment. Yes. Now, you have a villain of the week. Let's hear it. My villain of the week's going to get a lot of criticism. but It's, it's actually, controversial, I know that. It is. My <laughs> villain of the week is none other than our... Not our, so much our selection panel, but our selection committee in the fact of who we actually pick up each year. So um, you're talking about the recruiting team. Yes, I am re-talking about our recruiting team. The reason I'm actually saying this is I want to list these people. Billy Hartung, a yeah, running, yeah. running halfback that we could have used. Mad Jack Dahl was put up for trade. We could have actually picked him up. He would have actually been a great backman after what I've seen over the last three weeks. We let Tom Mitchell go because we wouldn't give him more money. That's all it was. He was willing to stay. We didn't even, and the biggest one for me, is a person who got a one-year contract and will absolutely dominate us this week, I'm afraid, is Daniel Menzel. How good would he be sitting in our forward line with Buddy right now? Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that, um, actually, the fact that they let him go on the trade. Yeah. I, I was shocked. And, uh, and I was even more surprised no one even took a punt on him. That's right. He would have he would have got him absolutely nothing, literally. Mm. Well, he's actually on the base wage. So if he's on the base wage for a one-year contract, why wouldn't you pick him up? It's like, you know, not picking up a Gary Ablett. Like, I'm not putting him in the same category, but Daniel Menzel isn't bloody magnificent forward and just because he's got knee injuries hell our whole entire club is full of injury prone people yeah we're not quite made of glass anymore no. but you do have a pretty good point and, look um and not only that he, just before i go finish with daniel menzel what a story that would have been if we'd had we'd picked up daniel menzel and then aj actually came back and played seniors this year <laughs> That would be that would have been a magnificent story, and look, he's actually fifth in the common medal at the moment. He's kicked fifteen goals from five games, which is absolutely terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Brown's finally taken the lead. Uh, he kicked a bag on the weekend, and he's one ahead of Franklin. So Franklin's second with eighteen. Uh, oh, Menzel Menzel's pretty much been um, out of those players. I think he's been one of the one of the players, or basically Geelong signed him again. So he's one of the signings of the season so far. Yeah, that's right. Now. I have a hero, mm-hmm. and my hero is Zach Jones. So he returned to the side after two weeks out through uh, through injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little bit short of fitness and form, but for three quarters of the match, he looked like the only player capable of playing in the midfield and playing it adequately well. Yep. I thought um, he was terrific. Uh, he bounced back very well. Uh, he was, at times, influential. Mm-hmm. He had 27 disposals and five marks. Now he didn't rack up. He didn't rack up big clearance numbers, but he picked up rebound 50s. He picked up tackles and he picked up inside 50s. And he kicked a beautiful goal. I believe it was the first one of the match as well. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed his performance. I thought he was terrific. I agree. I think he's actually a very good player. The only concern or the only weakness for me in his game is his disposal efficiency. I think yeah. that is the area that lets him down. Not so much his hand passing. His hand passing is beautiful. It's his kicking. 
Now, he went at 77.8% on the weekend. So yep. that's about as good as he's done for a very long, long time. time he's, yeah. He is known to just hack the ball and it goes nowhere or goes anywhere. But mm. I thought he was terrific. He was um, led the midfield brilliantly for a long period of time and was one of the reasons why we were still in with a chance. Yeah, I agree with you there. I actually totally agree. He was actually very good because the rest of our midfield was very down. Yeah, it was, it was. Now, I do have a villain, mm-hmm. and it is a non-Swans-related one, but I think a lot of people can uh, can agree with this one. It is none other than former Ruse forward Lindsay Thomas. Now, playing in his first game of the season for, for Port Adelaide on the weekend against Geelong, mm-hmm. he's come on, he's kicked a goal, and a minute later, he's just knocked the lights out of Scott Selwood, Scott Selwood rather. Mm-hmm. And he is certainly looking at a bit of time on the sidelines for that hit. Now, did you actually catch that? I did catch it, and I thought it was absolutely disgraceful. But I've got something to say around those, um, those hits around the head. Now, his is a bit different because... His actually was a full-on premeditated attempt. But Yeah, he certainly lined him up. Yeah, but I've actually got something about the concussions. I've actually got a theory that I reckon would actually work really well around that, if you don't mind me explaining it. So my theory is this. Instead of actually suspending a guy for a week if someone gets a head hit, what should happen is if, if someone intends to bump, fine. If someone is knocked out and has to have a concussion test, that's fine. So they go off for 20 minutes, right? And they, then yep. they get tested. What yep. should happen is if the person who bumps hits them in the head and that person and the person who gets bumped has to go off, then the person that bumped should go off as well. So they both sit there for the 20 minutes. <laughs> sin bin, pretty yep. much. You're talking sin about bin. a sin bin that's or a exactly yellow card. Right. If that um, player then is ruled out for the rest of the game, the player that did the bump, is ruled out for the rest of the game as well. If it's not a, if it's not an intentional bump, if it's in in the act of play, then that's what should happen. There should be no suspension for the next week. It should just even out the teams. So that means if if say North Melbourne lose a player, or say Sydney Higgins, lose a player, for example, yep. So Sydney lose a player this week, and through concussion, like when Mills got hit, then yep, then yep. Bug for Melbourne last year. He should have been sat on the bench for the rest of the game as well. So you well, sinned him. Fortunately, in, in our case last year, he pretty much played like he was sitting on the bench for the rest of the game. Yeah. But I completely agree. It's something that has been raised by the AFL before mm-hmm. as a discussion paper about how they kind of adjudicate and punish players on the field. It opens up a whole can of worms, though. And I, I did umpire for six years. Uh, it's very difficult to kind of police that. The best you can do is yellow card them. And if they continue carrying on, you, you red card them. But a red card's a very serious thing. The biggest difference between a Lindsay Thomas hit and the one on Higgins um, later on that, that afternoon, well, the following day, sorry, yep. was Lindsay Thomas lined him up. Yeah, and he came right. in and he hit him. Yeah. Uh, and he hit him hip to head. The Higgins one was... The guy pretty much just stood there and Higgins ran straight into him and it was a head clash and he just knocked himself out essentially. So yeah, look, uh, that that's a whole new can of worms. It's a, it's a topic that we can spend an entire podcast on, but uh, look, we don't have enough time for that. We'd be here for hours, mate. So uh, let's get back on to the Sydney and Adelaide discussion. So Stephen, um, midfielders, they, uh, they weren't flash, were they? No, I actually think we need to do something about it. I actually, 
would uh, be starting Joey Kennedy as a forward this week. I'd actually be starting my midfield like this. I'd be starting with Zach Jones, Isaac Heaney, and Callum Mills as our midfield. Well, they did that uh, for the second half, and with Hanabry starting off the wing, wing yep. uh, Parker starting off a flank, he rotated through the middle, and Kennedy was playing almost centre-half forward, and yep. he rotated through the middle as well. We actually started to win a lot more ball. Yep. I, I don't, exactly honestly right. don't know why that change had to happen for, for them to start winning contests, mm. but they did. The, the problem we've got is that Hanabry, Parker, and Kennedy are all in and under players. That's great when it's working. But if it's not working, they've got no one to feed the ball out to and run. That's where we're in this problem. Yeah. Like, I thought Ollie Florent would be the player that we could actually teach that to. But now he seems to be being drawn into this in and under play. We haven't got your Lewis Jetta. We haven't got someone who's on the, on the outskirts of the, the packs ready to run and take off. We've just completely forgotten about that type of style of play. Yeah, look, maybe Florent's going to fill that role and perhaps Hayward, um, certainly pl- younger players who are recruited in the off-season, you're looking at Stoddard and Ling. Uh, they're certainly candidates going forward. Uh, I wouldn't say Newman was that kind of player because he never had the leg speed, but he was certainly an outside player. Yep. Jones, for quite a few years, was an outside player. Um, Rowan, if he can get up closer to the packs, he's an outside player. But we're not talking about hugely experienced players here. No. Dean Towers can play inside and outside, and he can do it quite well. Uh, but again, they're not hugely experienced players. Um, they don't really have that Isaac Smith body or anything like that. The main culprits of the Malays in the midfield were certainly the most senior players, which is probably the most disappointing aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, Callum Mills got his wish. He played almost the entire second half in midfield. Um, well, I'm not going to say he had a particularly great game, but he wasn't particularly poor. No. He's certainly better than <laughs> the players that rotated in before him. And the other thing was Sam Jacobs was always going to beat Callum Sinclair. But I thought Callum Sinclair did okay in the end. Uh, he picked up 11 disposals. About 50% disposal efficiency. But he had 32 hitouts and a couple of really good pressure acts, and he had 10 one percenters, which is essentially pressure acts, smothers, boils, etc., and so forth. So I thought he um, did quite well in that aspect. Mm. Now, you know I love Callum Sinclair, but I'm going to state this now. We will not win a game when we come up against a decent Ruckman. And the reason I'm yeah, saying that... Yeah, that is, that is an issue. Mm. I agree, I agree. Because... The issue we've got, Callum Sinclair may get some hit-outs, but the way he actually has to do it is he's actually just belting the ball. He's not, he can't do the tap Ruckman stuff against a decent Ruckman. Whereas Sam Jacobs was able to just tap it straight down to his midfield. Even his, that midfield of Adelaide was one of the worst in the league. That was basic sandful midfield. Yeah, it's, it was pretty short. It was yeah. pretty short, to be honest. And, but he just fed it to them all game long, you know? Sinclair had some good hit-outs, and I'm not, not doing anything, because you know how much I love Sin- Callum Sinclair. He's probably one of my favourite players. Yeah. But the issue is, when he comes up against a good Ruckman, the only option he's got is to belt the ball forward. That's it. Well, he he has a really good leap on him, mm. and he can get up really high, and he can contest the ball really high. His biggest problem is when the other Ruckman bring it closer together, they scrap and they make it a bit of a wrestle, then he's out of his element. Yeah. He's more of a forward than a Ruckman, but he's pretty much the only choice we've got at the moment. Yeah. But that's why he was recruited. 
Yeah, well, he was recruited to be that forward role to pinch hit, essentially, to pinch hit for Naismith and Tippett. And as it is, Naismith is ACL. He's not coming back until next year. Probably, I don't know, the end of the first third of next year. Tippett's not coming back at all. He's pretty much the solo rookie. We've got no no choice. I thought he's done well so far this season, but, yeah, we're kind of stuck with what we've got. Yeah. I thought our defenders... Some of them, some of them are a bit iffy, but for the most part, I thought our defense kind of held out okay in the first sort of two quarters, despite the fact our midfield was completely uncompetitive and gave up absolutely nothing Mm. or gave no help at all. They won nothing. They didn't even get their hands on the ball. Yeah, I agree. One person that I think um, possibly needs to be looked at and possibly completely change his role will be dropped is Kieran Jack. I just think I'm, yeah. I'm not seeing where he's fitting anymore because he's not really rotating through the midfield very much, but he's not able to do a great deal on the forward line because of the way our midfield are kicking it into the forward line. It's, yep. it's not helping. Look, he didn't have a good game. Um, I wrote about it in the uh, player ratings. I, I certainly stuck the knife in, and to be honest, I honestly thought that the knifing was a bit deserved. I don't want to have a go at him because he's a great player and a great person and he's a stalwart of the club and he's been around for a long time. But the problem is when you're having 11 disposals at 50% efficiency with six turnovers, mm, <laughs> you, you're a liability. You are, yeah. you are an actual liability. I, in the end, I gave him a one, and uh, I think he, apart from that goal, he hurt he hurt the team more than he actually gave. I, I certainly put it up on Facebook and Twitter at halftime, and I've certainly blogged about it and discussed it after the match. Mm-hmm. But and, and certainly, Longmire discussed this at um, at the uh, post game press conference. Rampy led the disposals for the Swans at halftime, followed by Lloyd. So it was Rampy fifteen, Lloyd fourteen, Smith thirteen. And Mills thirteen. That's four defenders leading the disposals for the Swans. Scary, isn't it? Oh, it gets even more scary. Kennedy six, Parker four, Hanbury eight, mm-hmm. and Jack five. Uh, Jones was the best of the midfield group with nine, and, and Heaney had um, f- five or six. But they were five or six quality disposals. Yeah, that they trailed just about in every major statistical category. Uh, that were minus five center clearances, minus six clearance, uh, minus four clearances, minus six inside fifties, minus thirteen contested possessions, minus nine hitouts, and more importantly, minus sixteen first possessions. They got absolutely smashed in first possessions. They couldn't win the ball whatsoever. Yeah. So it was. It's really bad. And the the problem that I have within this is it still then comes down to if our midfield is not winning the game, we can't win. And it's as simple as that because when our midfield's down, it puts way too much pressure on our defence, but it also puts so much pressure on our offence because our forwards can't do anything because of the way the ball's coming in. And And not only that, for two and a half quarters, the ball wasn't even going in the forward line. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the way they kicked the... Now, tell me something. Do you think Buddy's a good mark? On the lead. On the lead. That's exactly right. Or, or if he can push his player under the ball. Yeah. he He's not... That, that's about it. He's not your stand-up, take-a-mark-in-a-pack type of player. He's not a Barry Hall no. or a Matthew Lloyd or anything like that. Why do we continue to play to him like that? 
Well, we kicked to Sam Reed like that for years because he yeah. was able to bring the ball to the deck. Yeah. With Buddy, and they're kicking to him like he's Sam Reed. Yeah, that's right. But the problem with Buddy is if it's kicked to him like that, it slips straight through his fingers out to the back of the pack, it's picked up and it's run out straight away. And the Adelaide yeah. did that constantly. I looked, uh, the setup in the forward line was was not great for the first half and even parts of the second half, it just wasn't great. Um, I honestly thought that uh, Sydney looked the most threatening when they actually played um, Towers on the Rock against Jacobs and Towers actually won a couple of hitouts. Yeah. But they played Sinclair out of the goal square. Yeah. That was when Sydney looked like not only could they get a mark, but they could bring it to ground and lock it in the forward line. I can't, I couldn't believe it took almost three quarters for that change to happen. And it's something that we discussed last week in the show that we th- we felt that uh, Heather and I felt that Aliyah had to stay in the team because he had to provide an option up forward. No, you've got a better option. Someone who can actually take a mark and play forward, but we're not doing it. Gary Rowan is two centimetres shorter than Buddy. Gary Rowan has blistering speed. Gary Rowan is actually the same height as Tony Lockett. Why can we not play him as a one-out full forward, have Buddy playing as a mobile centre-half forward, doing what he did the week before when Sam Reid was there, and actually have Gary Rowan patrolling the 50. He doesn't leave the 50 because he's got enough speed and he just patrols it, and then we work around him and he's because he's got great hands. I actually don't like Gary yeah. Rowan, but he's got great hands and he's got blistering <laughs> speed and he could actually do the job. The biggest problem is he's not a great contested mark. So he he is not the kind of player you'd leave one out in the goal square and just go long and high to him. Didn't he win a game off his own boot in a contested mark? Oh, he won two last year. Yeah. He won two of them off his own boot. Yeah, there you go. But uh, that, was, that was more of a kind of a fluke kick to his good side where he's able to um, push his defender under the ball. Yep. But if, if he's playing against um, Lever or... Kelly or someone like that, I, I wouldn't expect him to win many uh, contests. I actually way. think, but it, it wouldn't matter if he won them, as long as he could actually bring the ball to ground. And then you had people like Papley or yep. um, Hewitt or anyone who was coming through, even Jack coming through, you could yep. actually crumb off him. Because there is no point in the world having Buddy playing at full forward. It's not his... Yeah, if we're going to if we're gonna kick like that, yeah. I, I agree. It, it, was, it was pretty bad. Now, some of the um, some of the stats were a bit damning after the match, and, and certainly Longmire, he wasn't very um, happy about some of the stats, and he thought they were quite misleading. So the one thing that he discussed was the inside 50 count. At halftime, the Swans were behind in inside 50s. It was uh, minus six, and even when they got it in, it wasn't looking pretty. The second half, they got... 38 inside 50s to, uh, I think it was 16. <laughs> they locked it in in the third quarter, and all they could do was kick two goals. Um, and then Adelaide just kicked four goals in a row, and that was it. And that's, But that's the issue that we have. Um, I was reading an article today by David King, and he was saying about how our midfield hasn't won a single match this year, hasn't come out on tour in a single match this year. No, contested possessions are down, tackles are down, uh, clearances are down, er- everything's, it's it's interesting, everything's down. Yep. I, I just wonder whether or not that's a, a side effect of the um, the new coaches and the new game plan and things like that. But is it a new game plan? 
Well, I think it is. But I couldn't say that there's actually been any real evidence of anything that is new about the way we are playing. We still rely on our back line to slingshot it out. We still bomb it long into the forward line. There is nothing different about that from previous three years. The only thing that is really down is our contested possession and our tackling pressure. Like our pressure has gone nowhere. It's basically disappeared. Yeah, it has gone down. I think if you look at the West Coast game, for example, there was more of a um, more of a press happening. There was more of a zonal defence. So it's something I've noticed Longmire has tried to introduce over the over the last couple of years as a zonal setup mm-hmm. to move away from one on one, man on man. It didn't work against Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't work against the Dogs, and they went back to man on man, eighteen versus eighteen against the Dogs, and they snuck away with a match. Yeah. But against Adelaide, every time they switched to that, Adelaide just punished them. But it, it, so they had to keep switching back to it, loose it takes out people like it take by playing zone. It takes out what Grundy's good at. It takes out what Nick Smith's good at, which is beating your opponent. That's what they're good at. They're too slow to actually play zone. Our back line. Yeah, uh, look, I th- would agree with that, and especially if you look at some of the free kicks that were given to Walker and Jenkins. Mm. Marsh was hanging on to Jenkins two or three times. Um, Grundy had, was caught. Marsh was it was not a good game defense. for the. No, no, it wasn't a good game for them, unfortunately. Mm. Rowan kicked a goal in the third quarter. I believe it was the third quarter, his first goal. Yep. And all the uh, all the guys got around him. He got a standing ovation from the crowd. It was it was a great sight to see. No, it was amazing. I actually it brought a tear to my eye. I must say. Now, personally, I I think he's a really good bloke. Um, I don't think. He, a lot of the times over the past two years, he's actually deserved his spot in the team because I think he's a flash-in-the-pan player. Um, he does one or two brilliant things every couple of weeks, but he's he's not a consistent player, but that was a special moment. And the fact that he actually played so well after what he's been through was really good. Yeah, it really was, and it was terrific for him. Um, certainly celebrated for him as well. Uh, I really liked what he did. Um and he did have a bit of an impact on the game as well and, and snagged two good goals. The one thing that really irked me about the omissions, again, as I said before, there was no kneeful on the weekend. So players like Newman and Aaliyah, obviously Newman's out of um, out of form and Aaliyah was unfit, well, at least still building his fitness. Because they didn't play, they didn't get any game time, they didn't improve their position. Mm. So Malikin's pretty much expected back. I don't know about this game, but certainly next game. Yeah, He might come back for Geelong. Aaliyah's not going to get back in the team not for another month or so until he gets a few more games under his belt which I find really disappointing if there's still a spot for him I think he should be in the team but it's just yeah I wasn't really happy with that selection yeah I think if we're going to play the way we're playing what we need to do is play a seven man defence and we need another tool in there to do that and I think what you do is then you bring Aaliyah in and then you run it off your back yeah. line, and then you play with your five-man forward line with Rowan and Buddy. And I think then you have Jack, Papley, and probably I, I would actually play Joey or Haywood Kenny. or Florence. Uh, no, I wouldn't actually. I'd play them. I'd play um, Haywood pot, rotating with Kennedy, and I'd play Kennedy and Haywood off the wing. I'd be playing yeah. on the other wing as a permanent winger. Kennedy might be a bit too slow for a wing, but I, I do understand what you mean. Mm. I just, 
that might be something mm. that we can consider for the Geelong game. Yeah. Because we do have the Geelong Cadinia Park coming up. And it is, uh, a lot of people might be looking at this game and they might be thinking to themselves, oh crap, I've got Geelong at Cadinia Park. Now, I have a couple of stats for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think you might be, uh, surprised by this. I know the, um, listeners are certainly going to be surprised by this. But if we have a look at the head-to-heads, they're actually in Sydney's favour since 2011. So, the clubs have played six times at Cadinia Park, mm-hmm. and it's three all. Sydney lead the head-to-head since 2011, seven to six. So, they've had some massive wins, some really big wins. Sydney had beaten Geelong the previous three times before the semi-final loss last year, and two of those wins were at Cadinia Park. Yep. Now, the most impressive thing is the Geelong... Everyone knows Geelong holds a very imposing record at Cadinia Park. It's it's a fortress. Yeah. But they had won 18 of their last 20 matches at Cadinia Park. Let me guess. The Swans are the two... Well, yep. Lost. The Swans are the only team to beat them since round 16, 2015, when Geelong started that streak. Mm-hmm. And our two wins have been by 46 and 38 points. So they're not like little scrappy ones. They are big wins. Yeah. It is, uh, it is very... Impressive and imposing record. And that first win was uh, round 22 or round 23. That one was uh, McVeigh's when McVeigh missed um, through the um, yeah, through his daughter. Yeah. So it's a very imposing um, ground, but the Swans should hold no fear going to Cadinia Park. No, I think it actually... The ground, Cadinia Park... Have you ever been to Cadinia Park? Yeah, I was there last year. It's yeah. very narrow, it so it suits the you can choke the ground very easily. Yeah. It suits the Swan style of play very, very well. And that's the good thing about it. The million-dollar question for the week ahead, uh, and I'm not even sure myself, but who plays forward with Franklin? Well, I, as I said, I would be playing Franklin as a centre-half, a roving centre-half forward, just like Wayne Carey used to play, and I'd be playing Gary Rowan out of the goal square, running up to the 50, and he does not leave the 50 unless... The opposition have got the ball and his man's chasing. That's it. I would yeah. be keeping him one out down there and I'd have Papley, Jack, Hewitt, Parker and everyone else roving off um, Rowan coming full steam ahead because when he gets it motoring, no one can catch him and he's got a great set of hands. And the good thing about it... He does on a lead, yeah. Yeah. The good thing about it is Buddy's going to get back to getting his 20 20 Two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five possessions, and he'll still kick his three or four goals. But it takes yep. away the predictability of kick it to Buddy, kick it to Buddy, kick it to Buddy. Yeah, that's the most important thing is that he has to get involved in the game, and he'd had literally no impact on the game whatsoever that's right. against Adelaide. He had uh, five disposals at half time, and he kicked his only goal in the match in the second quarter, and that was from a horrific turnover. Yep. And he pegged it from seventy, and it took a bit of a fluky bounce, yep. but. That wasn't even, for me, that wasn't even a play of that game. The no. play of that game was Papley and his Rewalt-esque spoil. <laughs> you, know, you, know what, you know what the, the play of the game for me was? Buddy had just kicked that goal straight yep. away out of the ruck. They kicked it to Tex and wanted Tex to. That's what, <laughs> kicked an even bigger goal. Especially after the banter Buddy oh. was giving him as he was running in. Oh mate, I don't know who you're supporting, Sydney or Adelaide, but Jesus, that was uh, that was a painful sight. I know, to be honest. it was terrible, wasn't it? I, I, 
I, and the worst thing is, like, I, I hate lots of teams in the AFL, but the team I hate the most and the team I cannot stand is Adelaide. I just cannot like anything about them at all. Must be that moustache. That moustache is atrocious. Yeah. And I can't stand Tex as a captain and I can't stand him as a player. And then we've just played him back into form. Yeah, we did. Same with Jenkins. Yeah. Jenkins kicked um, three goals from snaps from like 20 metres out, yeah. which was the most bizarre goal kicking I've ever seen. Mm. But he got three goals and we made him look good again. Yeah. But anyway, now back to the forward line. Gary Rowan, Gary Rowan, Gary Rowan. You don't like the idea of Aaliyah coming back in? No. Maybe one of the younger players coming out? No. no fair enough. No. Now, a bit of news coming out of Geelong. Um, I don't know if it's just uh, Chinese whispers or mind games or anything like that, but uh, Gary Ablett might be available this week. I heard that too on the rumour mill, but um, I don't think so. I honestly don't reckon he'll get up. I reckon it'll at least be another week or two because originally they said four to six. It, it hasn't been four to six yet. No, he's still listed as another uh, two to five weeks. Yeah. It's amazing. If you go to the AFL site, the injury list, which is afl.com.au slash new slash injury dash list, he's still listed as two to five weeks. Mm. So I, I think it's just a bit of shenanigans from um, Geelong's side. Yeah. Uh, I can't see him coming back. No, me either. But if he does come back and if Sydney produces another midfield performance like they did on the weekend, uh, it is not going to be pretty. Uh, it is going to be a pretty dreadful experience down in Geelong. Is it true that Selwood's out? Which one? Joel. Scott Selwood copped a head knock. Maybe he's out, but I'm sure I read somewhere. Yeah. Well, the last time he played him down there, Scott Selwood was one of the best on ground. He had a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, Scott Selwood can play. He's not as good as his brother, but he can play. He is a good player. You'd have him in most teams, to be honest. Mm. So, yeah, he has been um, banned for for one week for having a crack at Lindsay Thomas after he knocked his brother out. Fair enough. Yep. Well, um, Scott Selwood will probably play, but uh, Joel Selwood. Naughty boy. And Dangerfield copped a $2,000 fine as well. So, uh, naughty boys. Mm-hmm. Fairly, fairly full of match, though. Yeah, yeah, a bit of spite in that one. And um, Joel Selwood got booed after the siren when he was awarded the medal. Yeah. Sometimes you'd say fair play to the crowd, but uh, in this instance, uh, that crowd was pretty disgraceful. Now, this is going to be interesting for our matchups because I actually had uh, Selwood going head-to-head with Parker Heaney, but he's not in the side anymore. So... Franklin, um, Colin Jasny, I think he's looking like about the only option. Yep, I agree um, with you there. They're without Taylor and Henderson. Um, they're really quite desperate in defence. Yep. Now, Dangerfield plays. If he goes forward, uh, I reckon Smith should take him like he did in the semi-final. Oh, I don't know. I just think Dangerfield's too quick for Smith. No, well, that's that's what I thought last year as well. Mm. I thought Rampy was the better matchup, but he gave Rampy an absolute Town, bath yeah, in the no. first quarter in a bit. He basically <laughs> did a, a Lloyd to uh, Leo Barry. Yeah. He lo- it was that kind of you know job. It was it was a thrashing. Yeah. So Smith kept him pro- goalless. I think after that point, almost disposalless for about two and a half quarters. Yeah. The problem we've got is Nick Smith's a great player if our midfield. Is going well if they've got pressure in the midfield. If there's no pressure in the midfield, Nick Smith gets shown up 
because his speed just isn't there. Well, that's the thing. I think he's underrated because he used to play on Rioli and yeah. Rioli used to live in his back pocket. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he used to give him an absolute bath every single time. It was incredible, especially that 2012 um, season. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rioli was one of the fastest players in the league, so... Yeah, that's true. Now, if he goes in the midfield, do you think he will pick him up and roll with him? I actually don't reckon he will. I reckon they'll let Dangerfield go. I don't think... I think it'd be silly to tag him, especially the way our midfield is playing, because you're, you're limiting your midfield then. Well, they're going to be without Joel Selwood. Scott Selwood's maybe, depending on injury and things like that, but you would expect them to play... Duncan's back in form. Uh, they've got some good players rolling through their midfield now. Um, and Ablett's are maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But you don't think you go a hard tag. You think they just go head-to-head and, and let him do what he does best. Yeah. Yep, that's what I... Yeah, fair enough. Yep, that's what I think. I just... Yeah, I just don't see the point. I think the way our midfield played last week, if you actually go a hard tag, you're cutting down your options. In a, in a lot of things. Yeah. And um, I just don't think we can afford it at this particular point. And let's face it, if Selwood's out, possibly Scott Selwood will be out as well. Ablett's out. Their midfield's weakened a fair bit anyway. Yeah, look, um, Duncan is another option, but you're looking at maybe Jones or even Heaney can just go head-to-head yeah, with that. That's right. And Jones has done a pretty good job before previously. Uh, last year actually did a really good job on um, Sloan for parts of the match and yeah. and Crouch and, and whatnot and had a, well, obviously one of the Crouches got off the lead and Sloan had a pretty big impact. But for that period of time that was running with him, he actually did a fairly good job on him. Yeah. Um, Question for you. I, I, yeah, go ahead. How do you think Hewitt's going? Uh, not good. Yeah. I, I think agree. he's had that one good game this season. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I, I think he's been um, pretty much passenger. Yeah. And I, I said this, I think, um, in the play ratings last week, not the Adelaide game, but the uh, Western Bulldogs game. Yeah. My point was that uh, if he's getting beaten by by his opponent, that's fair enough, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if he's not winning his own ball or kicking goals, there really isn't a spot in the side for him. Yeah, that's right. I agree. Insane. So mate. he either has to... He has to play more forward or more midfield, and he has to win his ball. Yeah. He, he can't just... Um, now, that, that could be just a, a structure thing, uh, a team thing. Maybe yeah. he is hitting those KPIs, doing tackles and stuff like that. But there was one game where he's had almost no defensive pressure at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's really dropped off. But in saying that, I'd prefer to have him in the team than, say, someone like Kieran Jack at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he did finish um, fifth in the Bob Skilton medal. I think it was fifth last year. So yeah. he's definitely got the ability. Uh, it's just... Maybe he's um, picking up more defensive players and they're, you know, having a crack at him as well. Yeah. So, uh, Grundy and Hawkins. So, they're going to um, renew hostilities, uh, depending whether or not Malikin comes back. Even Ali could come back in, depending. Mm-hmm. I would I would fear Marsh on Hawkins. That would be a matchup I would never want to see. Uh, I'd, I'd be dropping Marsh. They won't, but I'd be dropping him. I would definitely consider it... Um, like we said earlier in the show, very good from a rebounding perspective, and he and he had a goal assist. And some of his stats are um, actually quite good from a rebounding perspective. He had 
five inside 50s, five score involvements, a goal assist, and 517 metres gained with his 24 disposals. The only problem was, as a defender, he was the third tall. He just got pantsed literally every single time he was against anyone. Yeah. So, yeah, look, um, Hawkins Hawkins played. Um, boy, he's going to play. Um, he's an option, obviously. you got Tim Kelly and James Parsons, uh, Mendel, Holland Smith, um, even Stanley um, can be chucked up forward. Uh, so they've got a lot of options. Nick Smith will take Mendel, I would assume. I think Nick Smith. No, I would probably put Rampy on him. I, I would look at, I would look at Rampy. I just think I think it's a waste of time having Rampy playing on someone. I think you lose his impact. He's actually better yep. when we play the seven-man defence, and he's actually the goalkeeper, the the player that floats. That's his best. The thing is, if Marsh plays on him, he's he's too good of a forward for Marsh. There's, there's no question about that. Yeah, that's why I think Nick Smith. Because if you don't play Nick Smith on Menzel, I don't think there's a great matchup for Nick Smith. Parfit. You'd probably have to take Parfit or Hall and Smith. Yeah. Um, but neither of Even Manigola. Yeah. But I don't think any any of those guys, you, you're wasting Nick Smith by playing on Menzel's probably about the right size to be playing with Nick Smith. Um because he's not your, yeah. your major forward. Well, he's not your tall forward. It's interesting. Yeah. Because Dangerfield, they might play Dangerfield forward again. And if he does, that's a matchup I want for Smith. Yeah. He's about the best player for him. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Um, Marsh might keep his spot in the team regardless of whether or not we want him in there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, uh, how do you expect this match to sort of uh, unfold down at the, uh, the Kittenry? Not the Cattery, the Kittenry? I think that it will be... Again, I think Cats will come out and take a very sizable lead in the first quarter and we'll be fighting back again. I'm not going to say that we won't win, but I think our first quarter will be poor again. That's all I'm going to say on it. No, that's fair enough. Look, uh, at that stadium, we either win big or we lose big. Yep. There's no in-between. There's no narrow margins. Yeah. If you look at uh, AFL tables, you'll see that uh, we're either winning by six goals or losing by six goals. So yep. uh, it's gonna the start is going to be absolutely important. Um, as we showed last year in the semifinal, we started very poorly, and they just ran out winners, pretty easy winners in the end. Now, going to go and look at our responses mm-hmm. to the question for the listeners that we put out. So the question, Stephen, mm-hmm. and um, I wonder if you actually replied to this one yourself. Let me know if you did. Mm-hmm. The question was, should we bring back Tippett? Now, Stephen, did you actually put a response in for this one? No, I was planning to, but I decided against it because it wouldn't have been <laughs> su- such a great response. No, no, look, um, some of the uh, responses um, ranged from uh, mild, lukewarm support to uh, incredulity. Mm-hmm. incredulity. Um, I uh, took a snapshot of some of the responses, some of the more balanced, <laughs> balanced responses at least. Mm-hmm. So Corey from Facebook said, uh, we're definitely missing another key forward, so why not? Uh, Clayton from Facebook said, why bring back a bloke that's injury prone? Give one of our kids a go and see if they have what it takes. It's a, it's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Looking at someone like Aaliyah, Amadi, uh, McCartan, or even Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael from Facebook said, Tippett's not the answer. Put some faith in Towers, Aaliyah, or one of our young blokes. 
Amy from Facebook as well said he retired because he couldn't play due to injuries. It's not an option even if we wanted it, which I'm not saying we do. And Kirby from Twitter said, uh, is he even available? Uh, has he been training? Uh, what about putting Kennedy forward? Give him a break from midfield. We need to get creative. Absolutely 100% agree with you there, Kirby. Uh, some of the other responses were a bit more colourful, um, certainly in the language used. Yep. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of support out there for uh, old Tip Truck. So, um, look, he's still on the list, and the Swans could bring him back if we need to, which um, it's looking like we might dig do at some point if he's fit. Good call and bad call from the previous week, mate. So, on last week's show, I had Heather on with me. And uh, we were both quite positive about the Swans' chances against Adelaide. Uh, unfortunately, that did not unfold the way that we or anyone else expected. So I'll start off with Heather's predictions. Um, her first one was Franklin five-plus goals. No. I don't think anyone would have expected what happened. Uh, Nick Smith to have a day out, his opponent no influence. Now, I'm willing to give this one a tick because... I thought he did pretty well. What do, what do you think? Uh, I thought he was okay. I wouldn't... I'd give him a tick, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say he set the world on fire. Nah, soft tick. Mm. We'll give it a soft tick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the last one was Tom Papley, three goals. Unfortunately, not quite. Um, he only kicked the one. Mm-hmm. Now, I had Parker, two goals. Um... Maybe I should have said two disposals because I had just wrote a two next to him, but I'm sure that was cause. Uh, Swans halftime full-time lead. They didn't lead for much of that match, no. about five minutes in the first quarter. Uh, and I nearly snagged this one, but for the Lions to bounce back. Yeah, that was close. They got, that was close. They got absolutely embarrassed um, down at the MCG the week before, and they gave it a fair shake. Five points. Not far off. All right. It um, took a bit of magic in the end for him to save it. Mm. Now, Stephen, if you could, could you please provide us with your three predictions for the week ahead? Okay. Prediction number one, Carlton will beat the Western Bulldogs. On the Friday night stage. Prediction number two. Oh, they've been dreadful on Friday night, mate. I know, but I, I just have this feeling that the dogs are actually crap. Okay. <laughs> um, what well, are you judging that on three losses where they were absolutely embarrassed so far this season? I'm, I'm actually, including that shit show last last couple of days. Yeah, I'm actually judging it on how poorly we played against them and we still beat them. Yeah. Um. My Second one for this week is Josh Kennedy will come back and have a 30-plus possession game, but his disposal efficiency will run at less than 60%. Less than 60%. Mm-hmm. Well, are you uh, confusing him with Zach Jones, by any chance? No, I am not. <laughs> All right, and number three, mate. Number three, Buddy will kick four goals this week. Oh, mate, every week we have tried to do the Buddy predictions and uh, we haven't got them. Yeah, that's okay. I'm going to go with it anyway. (laughs) The reason I'm saying that is I don't think Geelong have a 
matchup for him, and if they play it right, he should kick four. He might kick more. Yeah, no, that, that's a that's a fair point. Now, my first one is Gary Rowan three goals. Okay. Um, I'm gonna look silly if he doesn't travel, but I think he's good for three goals. Mm-hmm. Um, second one, winner scores more than a hundred points in the Swans Cats game. That's pretty easy. Not yeah. a margin, not a margin, but the winner scores more than a hundred points. Swans don't look good for that, to be honest. They've um, not scored much at all this season. So I think it's going to be a bit of a high-scoring game. And number three, I have been faithful on Brisbane so far this year, but nah, I'm actually going to keep it for this round. And I'm going to say Collingwood by four goals. Collingwood over Richmond. No, no, no. This round, this this current round, Anzac Day. Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a given. That's a gift. Four goals. I can t- I can tell you what's going to happen now. I think Melbourne will beat Richmond, and I think Collingwood will beat Essendon. God, that would be uh, a bit of an upset if uh, Melbourne bounced back and beat Richmond after their um, dreadful performance last week. That's why I think they'll win. <laughs> Look, uh, Stephen, it has been terrific having you on again. Thank you so much for joining me and filling in for our regulars who unfortunately couldn't do it this week. Not a problem at all. It's great to be back on. Love having you on, mate. As always, you can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the tag, the Swans blog. You can always get in touch with us during the week with the hashtag SwansCast. And until next time, go Swans. Go the Bloods. Go the Bloods.